0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hello, I'm Liz Loza and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Do you know what satisfied me today? I'm going to tell you not that Mitchell Trubisky is no longer, I'm going to guess, the Bears starting quarterback or that he, as my fantasy damage Pick did not come through, but that the Chicago Bears are 3-0. And I'm also satisfied by the Atlanta Falcons' ability to always lose, even when there is a chance, a 98% chance, that they should be winning. Matt, what satisfied you?
0: I mean, Liz, I'm satisfied by your uh, ability to set up a win-win-win scenario for yourself (laughs) today, because... If Trubisky had gone out and played well, it's like, yeah, he was my fantasy freebie pick there. Let me take that victory lap. And obviously then in that scenario, maybe the Bears win or whatever. But I mean, if Trubisky blows it, as he is wont to do, and then Foles gets in there, then Foles is your guy and the Bears win that way. It's like either way, things are coming up Loza for for no matter what here. So that that is that's some good work right there.
1: I mean, I will never forget that when I found when the alert came on my phone that Nick Foles had been signed to the Bears was the same day I was able to find canned beans at the grocery store in the beginning of Core, he is a harbinger of all the good <sighs> things to come. I can feel it. All right. Um let's talk about stuff that satisfied you have been um I don't want to say you've been a Josh Allen truther because you're better than that. You're not a truther. You're not just some guy on the internet like spitting out hot takes, but we have to talk about the I Rams mean, at Buffalo. Me maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm trying to trying to lift you up here, buddy. Uh bad Josh Allen made his first appearance of the season today in the second half, but he managed to pull off the win thanks to a PI call, which I had to think, by the way. I was like, oh, Michael Gallup knows what this call is like. Like, isn't this just like <laughs> PI karma a little bit?
0: Yeah, the universe equaling things out there for the Rams on that one. No, I mean, this is this is all part of the Josh Allen. Experience it's all part of the Josh Allen analysis, is that no one is saying, you know, and I'm not I'm not saying that like Josh Allen's gonna be a top five quarterback or be this, you know, great, great player or whatever. But the the point here is that the margin for error has so greatly increased for the Buffalo Bills quarterback because of the personnel that's put around and because of the way that they're calling plays that is clearly all come together for this 2020 season. So that the times when Josh Allen does things that is just like, Oh my God, what the hell was that? And I mean, those are always going to be a part of the experience. Like he's always going to have those. Um, I think Evan Silva put it very memeable throws and like that, that's going to get shared across the timeline, whatever. Uh, but at the same time, now we have so much more positive in this offense because of the players around him in the system that those plays are not only worth, um, They're not only worth living through, they're also minimized overall because the offense is that explosive.
1: When you're talking about his pass-catching weapons, obviously, Stephon Diggs has been the big story over the past two weeks. And he remained very, very relevant. But I should note, or we should note, that John Brown did leave this contest with a calf injury. He'd been struggling with a foot injury for more than a minute. but. You know, if we are going to skew positively, which I know you and I both like to do, find the silver lining, it is absolutely Gabriel Davis, who we talked a little bit about last week. Six foot two, add some nice height uh, to this receiving core, undrafted uh, free agent signing, and he... Uh, caught all four of his balls for 81 yards. Gorgeous. I believe it was a 35-ish yard completion where he got his toes in. It'll end up on a highlight reel. It's already on Twitter. So, you know, if Brown were to miss any significant time, I think Davis obviously gets a bump here.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, this is a unit that it was encouraging that in the first half, you know, Diggs I mean, he had what could have been a touchdown had Allen not kinda of bunny hopped it yeah. to him. He also had another touchdown called back, but at the same time from a you know, bottom line perspective, Diggs and Brown were blanked at the box score in the first half. And it was still an overall positive day for the Bills' offense, especially, like I said, in that first half where they dropped a three-touchdown hammer. That's good news for the entire offense when your two best players are not making a big impact, but your overall, you're still making plays.
1: Devin Singletary continued to make plays. Remember, there was no Zach Moss in this one, but Singletary rushed 13 times for 71 yards, plus he caught four catches for an additional 50 yards. Um, moving forward... I- The problem with Singletary, right, and the reason when you're talking about depth, and we talked about this on our halftime show, the thing that we're so impressed by or with um, in Buffalo is not just Dable, but the ability of the entire franchise to know where its limitations are, right? So you see Devin Singletary get stuffed at the goal line, and you're like, oh, I get why they added Zach Moss.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, this was a very <laughs> good example of why this guy doesn't get goal line carries last year. He doesn't get goal line carries uh, this year either. So, uh, But at the same time, the, the usage for Singletary was great. And yep. from a bottom line perspective, good game overall. So as long as single, or, uh, Moss remains absent, then, I mean, yeah, Singletary is going to be a very strong high-end RB2 type of guy.
1: All right, new Rams rule. Two pass catchers will pop but you don't know which two Cooper cup nine to 10 for 107 and a touch Robert Woods. I mean, I, I didn't think that I did not think that this was possible, but five of four five for 74 and a touchdown, but it was Tyler Higby who after scoring or managing a hat trick last week, found the short end of the stick this week, just two, two targets, two catches, 40 yards.
0: I saw um, our friend Matt Waldman on Twitter make the joke uh. that I, th- <laughs> I th- maybe Sean McVay is able to memorize like uh, his entire playbook because 80 percent of them are screens. And yeah, I mean, when you're running that type of layup offense, you're you're going to you're not necessarily going to be popping it off enough to have like three pass catchers go crazy, as you mentioned. So I think that's probably good. Uh, I think that's good analysis by you. Like, in, in general, I think this offense has gotten to a point where it's rebounded enough that, yeah, we can start to say, hey, this is, you know, we're we're trusting these players more often than not. But I don't think we're at the point with the Rams offense uh, where we're just throwing everybody in the pool no matter what. I mean, the backfield is sort of the same way, although right now it looks like Daryl Henderson has seized control. I don't know that we're still going to be saying that three weeks from now. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. But since Cam Akers, I mean, Cam Akers' rib injury helped clarify things because there was one less body to take account of. So you mentioned it. Henderson rushed 20 times for 114. He got managed a touchdown. Malcolm Brown also not completely out. He's got a broken pinky. And everyone's like, oh, the goal line back has a pinky problem? That's not a big deal. And I was like, well, i I mean... You need hands if you're a running back, <laughs> especially if you're the assumed goal line option. Um, he was obviously the backup. Now, again, I think your point, you've made this since the summer, frankly, is that this is gonna be a carousel when all three backs are healthy. And um, we don't know what it's going to be. What as you said last week and I agreed, we're gonna have to try to project based on health and matchup which one of these guys is gonna pop because the running back position remains incredibly thin, and there are injuries even more we're going to get to a little bit, a little bit later. But for now, Daryl Henderson is the guy. We'll see what happens. Let's move on to Las Vegas at New England because running backs on both sides of this matchup Surprised in very different ways. Rex Burkhead, you know, crowd surfed basically into the end zone. Uh, One of the two times he found the end zone. Uh, Six carries for 49 yards and two tubs plus seven catches for 49 yards and a third touchdown on 10 targets. So I'm sorry. He also pulled off a hat trick, two on the ground and uh, one via the air.
0: Yeah, Rex Burkhead. I love that. Oh god, I, like all oh, day I kept thinking about that user question we got uh, on FFL where like Joe I Mixon? basically I basically laughed at somebody for like sig- they're throwing in Joe Mixon with a group of goofballs that included uh, Rex Burkhead. Burkhead, like you mentioned goes crazy. Of course Joe Mixon, we know we know the story there. There's just nothing not good go happening. Yeah. Did not go. Did not go. Cra- <laughs> I mean, you're going crazy if you drafted Joe Mixon at the end of round 1, I'll tell you that. But yeah, uh, I don't know that I Burkett, though, isn't, you know, he's involved last week too. So he might be somebody that we, with James White out, you know, that we continue to look at, however long that's going to last. I mean, Sony Michelle, nine carries, 117 yards. I I don't care. I don't think I'll be uh, recommending to chase that anywhere.
1: 100%. Josh Jacobs, though, after having a monster game last Monday night, Dealing with a bit of a hip injury, a hip issue, did stay on the field. But um, New England, obviously, a very tough matchup, and he did not produce uh, near the same level. But again, I'm not worried, assuming that the hip issue does not become larger. This is also a player who, I believe, from week seven through the rest of the year, managed to play through a shoulder injury.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Raiders right now, they're such an interesting team. because There's a lot of
1: banged up players at the Raiders right now, though, too.
0: Yeah, they're very banged up. They're also like a very physical bunch, you know. They were mm-hmm. giving Cam Newton the business early in this game. I mean, eventually the Patriots pulled away, and it was just clear that the Cam Newton led Patriots are a much better team than the Raiders. But well, maybe maybe a much better team is is kind of aggressive though. I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Like, I'm still not quite sure where I where I am with the Raiders. You know, like I, we're wa- Sunday Night Football is on right now. Uh, But coming off that Monday night game with the Saints and the Raiders, I I kept saying I couldn't figure out if the Saints are just much worse than I expected them to be, uh, or the Raiders are much better, or a little bit of both, whatever. So I'm still kind of trying to figure out this Raiders team, but I do know that they need some more players to consistently emerge outside of Darren Waller, who gets kind of, you know, we assume gets taken out of the game by Bill Belichick. That's the reason he doesn't have a big line in this one. Obviously, Josh Jacobs in the in the running game. But other than that, they need somebody else to sort of consistently step up. Hunter Renfro had, a you know, popped up out of nowhere for a big game. So I'm sure he's on Bill Belichick's like radar. You know, when is Hunter Renfro going to be a free agent? You know, the <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, he has he a type. He fits, fits a certain exactly. mold. Um, exactly. Yeah. Brian Edwards, who has not been a fantasy contributor, but has been a real life football contributor, he did leave this contest banged up and they did not have the speedster Henry Ruggs. So you're right. I, I am impressed, though, with the ability. Similarly, you make a good point to the Patriots to utilize these lesser known players to advance Mm -hmm. it doesn't help fantasy managers much but to like advance um the score and stay in the game I, to that end, just if we're going to talk about the Patriots Nikhil Harry, remember all last year, he had an ankle issue and he also was, a, I believe he tweaked his ankle as well. So that's something to keep an eye on because if you're looking, if we're going to say the same thing about the Raiders and you're looking at this receiving core and you're like, well, I need someone other than Waller to do the thing. Then the Patriots need someone other than Julian Edelman, who is admittedly quiet in this game to also do the thing. And if Harry is continually banged up and James White isn't available, then you're looking at, like, Damir Bird? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean, at some point, you would think that the Patriots' lack of skill position players would start to start to bang them, but not so much with Rex Burkett going <laughs> God mode in this week.
1: I love God mode. All right, San Francisco at New York Giants. If we're talking about uh, player, teams that whew, are dealing with a lot of injuries... Oh. It, it is just, but again, like, let, let's, let's be a little bit optimistic. Your guy, and you can take the victory lap because you're too humble to do that on the Twitters. Brandon Ayuk took advantage of both Debo and Kittle sitting out and Jordan Reed, who we talked about on the halftime show, left with a, an injury. Ayuk showed off that yak ability that you talked about that we both talked about all summer, five of eight targets for 70 yards. And he added 31 rushing yards on a touchdown. It was a, you know, he ran in the touchdown. So are we thinking about IU moving forward or are we waiting until, you know, Kittle's going to be back and Debo should be back soon ish. And, you know, is it more of a depth issue than, um, something, fantasy managers can rely on consistently just yet
0: i definitely think he's worth grabbing because this is exactly the vision that kyle shanahan probably had for this player when he drafted him you know getting him involved on the ground getting him involved in the after catch game and you know with the debo injury and with the kittle injury it obviously just he gets pushed to the front of the line and that's not the way it's going to look every single week but at the same time you know this is a good offense it's a good situation I, I know, like, we're on the 49ers section, but. I just I I, I'm so disgusted with the Giants after this game. Like I want to just put the entire Giants like franchise out to sea. I don't want to try to figure out the backfield. I don't want to stream Daniel Jones. I don't want to talk about is this a Darius Slayton week? Is this a Golden Tate week? I mean, God, you, you lose to the 49ers like C team. I mean, if there was a preseason in 2020, then I mean no, sorry, you didn't even get lose. You got taken to the woodshed by the 49ers C team. There's a preseason this year. And Nick Mullins, Jeff Wilson, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne are all out there in the third quarter of a preseason game. You be like, yeah, that that checks As out. Looks
1: at, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that looks it, yeah. That checks that right. checks out.
0: No, but this is the team that beat the Giants, damn, you know, by multiple scores. In, I mean, that's that's a tough, tough look for the ultra discipline lap-running, uh, fighting Joe judges in New York.
1: Well, Daniel Jones only had 179 yards in case you want the numbers to match what Matt is referring to. Um, Despite this being a pass heavy game script, he had an interception. None of the three running backs did anything of note. So, you know, it looks like the Giants and the Jets are sharing some energetic DNA here.
0: Yeah, I know, right? If if the Jets weren't such a clown show on, you know, quote the other side of town or whatever, um, yeah, I think (laughs) I I feel like I feel like it might be worse worse here for the Giants. But it's that's this is a tough look. This is a this is just a tough look to be completely you know wiped off the board by a team and like we didn't even talk about obviously everybody knows that the 49ers are banged up on the other side of the ball too right richard sherman's not out there Bose is not out there. there's no secondary I mean, <laughs> there's
1: no pass rush
0: so what's the problem <laughs> what are we doing here right like Giants? the only I mean, thing you could probably say is like well
1: evan ingram probably wouldn't have a good game because what's left of the defense right like for yeah, the, 49ers. the middle of it so fine yeah. you can blank evan ingram but oh and you know andy and i when we did last week's show of fantasy forecast however many words is the title of our of our new podcast um, the yahoo
0: fantasy football forecast podcast, podcast special <laughs> program
1: very succinct Distinct. Uh, pissed uh i probably darius slayton is someone that daniel jones always looks to when things break down but he also has to like I don't know, like stay kind of on target. Like he's not the Slayton can't, like, he doesn't have, you know, jet boosters in on his back or anything. So
0: yep, correct cor- can confirm he does not.
1: <laughs> he does not. All right. So Washington at Cleveland. Uh the sound you hear right now, if you listen closely, just give it a moment. Those are OBJ's wide receiver one hope circling the drain. Four catches, 59 yards, six targets even. With all of the talent on that offense, the Browns look like they're gonna stick to a backfield heavy game plan. Also, we shouldn't be surprised because Kevin Stefanski uh was mic'd up when he said he wants to run the ball up the opposition's took us. He didn't say took us though.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um I mean, I get this is this is the plan that the Browns have, you know. Training wheels on Baker. Don't let him screw yeah. things up. Don't let him run himself off the rails, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think that this is the in games where we can expect the Cleveland Browns to be competitive, win or control the control the action. Yeah, this is the this is the team that they want to be. And that's not conducive to um, Beckham's fantasy uh, value. And it's I mean, Jarvis Landry, like, is this a guy him, Austin Hooper, all these guys, are they even worth um rostering at this point
1: well i would hang on to austin hooper one more week because i believe the browns play the cowboys next week i'm not i don't have my notes in front of me on that but i believe the browns play the cowboys next week um and i think that that the linebacking core obviously is a a, a spot of vulnerability for the cowboys so if baker is allowed to like not cook necessarily but
0: like saute (laughs) then maybe (laughs) maybe microwave maybe (laughs) if he's feeling really good, you let him put a couple pop tarts in the toaster oven. Oh, wow.
1: Pop tarts. Delish. Um, but what I will say is that for everyone who complained about Nick Chubb and he is definitely overvalued. Oh my goodness. You can't draft Nick Chubb because of Kareem hunt. Yo, there's enough for both of these dudes. And also Nick Chubb remains one of the best pure rushers in the damn league. He rushed 19 times for 108 yards and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt also found the end zone. He's the pass catching back, uh, and he is a red zone. Uh, he is, I guess, the preferred option uh, on passing downs in the red area of the field of these two running backs. So I feel like when we talk about, oh, God, this is a headache to project, this isn't too much of a headache.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, I think in, in games like this, this is if you want to play both of these guys because we've seen the ceiling we've seen the floor the only thing we got to worry about and you know I, I don't I, I don't have the Browns uh, schedule up in front of me either but you're right they do play the Cowboys next week uh, that's gonna be a tough that's gonna be a tough one to think about like I could easily see Dallas shredding their defense you know because their defense is not very good the Cleveland Browns other than right. like miles Garrett you know we're not exactly cooking with gas here so like but well, if you I mean, think obviously. about
1: the Cowboys offensive line and the pressure that Garrett can get then maybe true. I don't know. You, you, I think you can project the first half of that game. The second half is anybody's guess, right?
0: Like <laughs> That's pretty th- fair.
1: That's when things are going to go sideways. But I will say, for everyone complaining about OBJ, I mean, you got him at such a low ADP. And the reason you drafted him was because of his big play potential, which he has flash he did flash it admittedly against the Bengals last Thursday night mm-hmm. but that's why you drafted him where you drafted him you didn't you he's a ceiling play you didn't draft him because you thought he was going to be a high volume play so manage your own damn expectations which is something Philadelphia Preach. Eagles fans need to do Oh Woo! I mean I don't even know where to start with Carson Wentz <sighs> We talked about it a little bit on the halftime show. I mean, he he obviously struggled early, but then also often in this one, just 29 completions for 47 pass attempts, one touchdown, two picks. Uh, You said very astutely on our halftime show that one of the good things that Philadelphia and Doug Peterson have managed to create was an excellent running game. I just don't think if you, I just don't think when we did that segment or that show, you We're talking about uh, the quarterback as also, you know, the RB2 on the team.
0: Right. This actually, if you want to skew positive, seeing Carson Wentz take off nine times for 65 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of what you need to see. Because uh, it is gross. But Wentz, like in 2017, when he was a great fantasy quarterback and obviously the leading candidate for the MVP before he went down with an injury, um, you know, part of what made him so special was his rushing ability. That hasn't hasn't been present at all through two games to start this year and really wasn't much of a factor last year either. So that certainly can boost his floor from a fantasy perspective. But again, that's, that is trying to, that's trying real hard. Uh, Might be throwing my back out a little bit on that reach. Uh, So, I I mean, but in general, bad vibes here for, um, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I mean, Dallas Goddard too. He gets hurt in this one. We think he's coming back and then he doesn't. And now it looks like he's going to miss multiple weeks. And I mean, at some point, if you're Philadelphia, you got to just be like, are we already taking a mulligan? Uh, on the 2020 season because they've just had so many injuries but you know just at some point you'd also like to see Carson Wentz um elevate some talent around him at some point at some point so
1: there's there's a lot there a lot of cogent analysis there Goddard you're right might miss multiple weeks with that ankle injury you also have Jalen Rager out until week nine ish with a thumb issue Deshaun Jackson here's a surprise left the game with another surprise hamstring (laughs) issue uh so there's going to be right there's going to be a lot of Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz in this one. So we are expecting to see exactly what you just said. The difference though is that a couple of years ago it felt like Wince was this improvisational genius who extended plays wasn't just rushing out of pure damn desperation.
0: Mhm. Yeah, this is, yeah, it's true. It was like a part of the it was part of the offense, not so much yeah. just like well, nothing is happening. And so this is what I have to do. I mean, it's just it's just really bad uh, in Philly right now. I don't know how you're feeling. Um, remember, like, let's let's just say one thing we can definitely say after week three, and maybe we should have said it a long t- time ago. Let's take the Dak-Wentz debate and shoot it into the sun, okay? Yeah. I don't want to hear – I don't care that the supporting cast are obviously, like, light years apart. We don't need to talk about that debate any longer.
1: Vanya Hargraves shooting them into the moon. That's an Umbrella County yes. reference yes. for anyone who doesn't watch. Um, but we should talk about the Bengals because, um, I mean, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm feeling mixed, not because of the Joe Mixon issue necessarily. But yes, you have an outstanding young quarterback. You can't protect him for anything but yeah. the rookie connection between he and T. Higgins, the AJ Green replicant, definitely rang true. You know, we knew that there was going to be an eventual passing of the torch between Higgins and Green. And we talked about it over the past two weeks. There's no denying that Green has been out of sync. Higgins now, maybe that was, I mean, Darius Slay was covering Green, so I'm not I'm not gonna say that it wasn't uh it that, that didn't factor in. But Higgins found the end zone twice. I feel like we just saw it happen—the baton passing.
0: Yeah, that could easily be the case. I mean, because this offense right now, it's it's still it still is the case. I mean, obviously, like from a bottom line perspective, the numbers look really good for for Joe Burrow, and I mean, he's he's played well, like to to his credit, he's played yeah. very well. But at the same time, it's been a very condensed offense. Like they've been pretty much just over the middle, short stuff, whatever. Um, you would think at some point that, you know, it's because they haven't really found that connection with A.J. Green and Joe Burrow yet. And I think part like you could argue you could argue this two ways coming into week three. It's like, oh, but all the air yards, all the targets, those will regress positively into something that's going to be great for fantasy football. Or the Bengals are going to look at that and be like, yeah, we might need to start changing some things up because whatever we're trying to do with A.J. Green right now, it's really not working. Um, I i I start to, you know, we got to obviously go back and watch more, see like the routes run, snap share data, yada, yada, yada. But like that, maybe that's what we saw here in week uh, three. T. Higgins starting to eat into AJ Green a little bit there.
1: It would also maybe, if you want to stick to, uh, If your line can't protect your quarterback, you got to help him get the ball out as fast as possible, which might mean folding Mixon into the passing game a little bit more. But as for the air yards and being able to stretch the field, the Bengals do host the Jaguars in week four. And we just saw on Thursday night what Fitzmagic was able to do to Jacksonville. So I think that that is a great opportunity to try to implement some new things. If you look at that. chat. All right, yeah. let's talk about the Chicago Bears at the Atlanta Falcons. It took two and a half weeks. Why? But Nick Foles came in for Trubisky and did Nick Foles things, putting up three touchdowns. Uh, I think this is good news for Bears receivers. Allen Robinson, 123 yards and a touchdown. Finally on 10 catches, 13 targets, played him in DFS, felt really great. Jimmy Graham. You know what? I got to tell you something. Well, I have I have an answer for you. Scrunchies and Jimmy Graham. The question: Two things back from the nineties, baby. Two touchdowns and six catches.
0: <laughs> Jimmy Graham wasn't <laughs> not that old. I mean, I'm just <laughs> of course Jeez.
1: not that old, but I'm just trying to like the nineties are back. I did see someone on Twitter. I think it was Fantasy Pros tweeted that uh this was the first multi-touchdown game that Graham had had since '91. But obviously, that was. That may or may not have been facetious, and certainly wasn't as a pro. Regardless, same it's year, nice to see Same Graham year back. I was born, nineteen ninety
0: one. Yeah, same. Year Get your
1: born. caboodle, baby! It's it's back, um, and oh, man, so are the Bears. Happening. They are three and zero. I should say that it looks like sadly, Tariq Cohen probably mm, tore yeah. his ACL, and so he is yeah. expected to not come back for the rest of the season. Um, you know. For me, there's not like David Montgomery remains uh, an RB two, low end RB two based on the matchup here. Um, Anthony Miller is still a flex or a wide receiver three. Allen Robinson is a top twelve, top ten play. I kind of like that the Bears like there. There aren't a lot of question marks here. We know who we're starting and who we're not.
0: Yeah, I do. That's one thing that I've always really liked about this Bears offense in theory is that, yeah, the the usage tree is pretty shallow here. Yeah. Like, it's pretty much just these. And I mean, hey, Jimmy Graham, like, does continue to be involved. So maybe uh, whether he's just, you know, a ghost of himself or, you know, the relic of some bygone era, uh, he's still he's still out there, you know, making plays. So good for him. Uh, but at the same time, like, this is the thing with Foles, right? I. I I think that the bears could have gone a variety of different directions with their quarterback uh, position this off You know, everyone's going to say Cam Newton was out there and, and, and I mean, I, I don't think you can really say it enough, right. but like the, th- the thing with Foles versus Trubisky, when you're just looking at that, like Trubisky definitely has moments and he's definitely had moments. These, this, the first couple of weeks where the offense has looked okay, but Foles is aggressive where Trubisky is not a very aggressive passer. and, Bulls will move the offense in good ecosystems. And I think this is a pretty good ecosystem here in Chicago. Like they have players. Miller has had some drop issues. He dropped another touchdown today, whatever. But by and by and large, it's been a positive season for him. Robinson, obviously, is a great player. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, in totality, this offense will be better with falls in it than uh, it will with Trubisky. And I, I don't know that there's really a uh, need, need to be, like belabor that point. too
1: much. I, I certainly think we're fine in terms of the division when you've got the Vikings going, what zero and three, I believe. And, yeah, the, yeah. and, you yeah. know, the lions finally won one. So the Packers remain the, the, most heated competition, but we, we should talk about the Falcons because obviously there was no Julio Jones today, which meant a lot for Calvin Ridley, 110 yards on five catches, 13 targets, his third straight 100-yard game so far this season. Russell Gage, though, just two catches for 26 yards before he left the game with a concussion, but here's what I find the most um, alarming, if you will, about the Falcons. Hayden Hurst found the end zone. So great. Just one, one look, one catch, and it happened to be, you know, the highest value option. So fantastic. Todd Gurley, even with the team slot receiver, Russell Gage, leaving the game, had two targets, caught one ball. That is very concerning. Brian Hill, who outpaced Todd Gurley, also only caught one ball for 20 more yards and drew Two more targets. I'm sorry, one more target. Brian Hill is getting more work in the passing game with the damn slot receiver not in it. That to me, you know, this is our, our assumption about Todd Gurley heading into this season was like, oh, maybe he's not going to be as explosive, but the volume would be there, especially when you fold in his opportunities in the passing game. I, don't, I mean, if if Julio Jones is out and Russell Gage is out and Todd Gurley gets two draws two damn looks, I'm worried.
0: I mean, I don't know how you couldn't be worried. Uh, there hasn't been much hope for Gurley as a pass catcher really since the, that 2018 season. Um, last year, he was he was a dud in the pass game as well. And I mean, Brian Hill, this is just a if you're if you're very forward thinking, you've had him on your bench already because you could smell blood in the water when it comes to Todd Gurley. Uh, if you're if you still want to be forward thinking, you want to grab him now just in case something does happened to Gurley because I think Hill has shown he's on our, right, he's an all right player. And uh, this offense is moving no matter who's in there. You know, they're, they're still moving pretty well, even if the Falcons are like just, I mean, what an, un, what an unbelievable team, the Atlanta Falcons. How are they real? How Brian, have they done this? How did they do this two weeks in a row?
1: Brian Hill to Matt's point is rostered in just 2% of Yahoo leagues. And um, for what it's worth in college, you only had five career fumbles. So, we know that he can hold on to the ball. Um, let's move on to Houston at Pittsburgh. James Conner, 18 carries for 109 yards and, the t- and a touchdown on the ground, plus four catches for another 40 through the air. Any concerns about Benny Snell? I mean, I did see some nonsense on Twitter about, like, Benny Snow better than James Conner. Enough. Like, we, we see what's going on here. Um, ben had 237 passing yards and two touchdowns one to Eric Ebron who I just uh, yeah of course great and uh, of course Juju Smith-Schuster
0: yeah Deontay Johnson had a concussion and left this game didn't come back Uh, he tweeted after the game that he's fine Uh, you know okay cool whatever Uh, we'll see Um, yeah no I mean this was this was about how i expected this game to go and if you're i mean from from the from the steelers perspective they definitely do i think they need johnson out there for as much as guys like um james washington and chase claypool are big play options and both of those guys you know did make a mark today james washington had a had a bad drop uh claypool had a 24 yard catch but you know those guys are decent three and four receivers. I think they need Johnson as a clear starter out there. He's going to make a difference with that offense. Um, James Conner, though, it's like, man, if you panicked about James Conner after week one and like, you know, you added Benny Snell blew a bunch of your fab on him or whatever. Like this is, you're feeling like after these last two weeks, because it has gone very well uh, for James Conner since then. Like now it's looking like all the preseason analysis of like, well, if he stays healthy, he's bell cow on a really good offense. That's all good. Houston. yikes (laughs)
1: um well i mean david johnson did save his stat line with a with a touchdown but otherwise yeah
0: where are we at with the whole david johnson thing because like i mean he looks great like legitimately looked great week one against the kansas city chiefs um people are starting to kind of be like oh should we have really you know buried david johnson so early then you know Kind of pretty not so great games, back-to-back weeks, uh, but pretty tough opponents too in the Baltimore Ravens um and the Pittsburgh Steelers. What would be your kind of lean with David Johnson um after these last two weeks?
1: Well, isn't this similar to what we saw last season? I mean the the matchups notwithstanding, like let's divorce that for a second. A hot start and then um there is a slowing up. And also anyone who has watched David Johnson play knows that what he does best is not like he's not a north-south guy who's a between the tackles grinder. That's that's not how he is best utilized. He's best utilized in the passing game. He's best utilized, you know, when he wants to um bend the edge, if you will. Like, and he's mm-hmm. not being utilized in the way that most or most effectively fits his skill set. I mean, Bro drew three targets. He had two catches yeah. for 23 yards. And you've got a banged up Brandon Cooks in this one. You don't have DeAndre Hopkins. Duke Johnson, another pass-catching running back, isn't in this one. <laughs> so what are you doing with, with David Johnson? Why aren't you using him in these short yardage situations and having him catch out of the backfield? I don't understand it. I mean, you, you're I guess because you're, the answer is like, well, we have Randall Cobb. Well, great.
0: I mean, no, yeah, I think that that is the – that's the biggest problem so far for Johnson is that there hasn't been any receiving usage and Houston has been consistently in negative game script, right. you know, like they're, they've been trailing. You would think that he, this is when he would catch passes, but right. um, that has not happened yet to this point. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I think that things could get better for Johnson in this whole offense when the schedule lightens up, because this is just a brutal start. I mean, I don't mind I don't mind dunking on the Texans cuz I think they sort of kind of deserve it for the way they've set this team up, but at the same time too, uh pretty brutal start to go Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers.
1: Where do you stand on Will Fuller? Who did find I, the end zone? Yeah. I mean, I had him projected for like two catches and 30 yards and he went 4 for 54, but he managed to find the end zone like I, I,
0: What do you think? Um yeah, I mean, I think that you know what you're kind of getting When you get into the Will Fuller, well, I mean, I think you you know it's going to be either, you know, it's going to be really good or really bad. Um, I think that it was a mistake if anyone thought he was going to, you know, become an every week predictable starter just because DeAndre Hopkins is gone. That's doing the all of these targets are available. This player will slide into like players aren't numbers on a spreadsheet. And I mean, Houston's offense when it was DeAndre Hopkins on one side of the field and Will Fuller on one side of the field. And Deshaun Watson as the uh, as the quarterback, obviously, that's a really tough unit to defend because you have to then you have to like choose which poison to drink. Are you going to double DeAndre Hopkins, who needs that to- sort of attention because he's that type of guy? Well, great. Then you have Will Fuller run and go routes on single coverage against people yep. who can't work, keep people who can't work, work with him. Um Now the offense is much harder to defend. Is much easier to defend when you're talking about. Well, I guess we'll just take our medicine with like Randall Cobb underneath, or you know maybe LOL Brandon Cooks will do something. Probably not.
1: Right. I I think that's it. And I also think though that theory over the summer of of Will Fuller being like a high volume option carried over into week one when he saw double-digit targets against Kansas City. Like, (laughs) it's a a different thing, right? Let's talk about Tennessee at Minnesota because, I mean, I I don't mind the Vikings losing again. I believe there was someone who said something about survival of the fittest, so let's go with that. (laughs) But... We should talk hmm. about rookie Justin Jefferson, who was a first-round pick, and we've been waiting for one of these rookies to pop and do something of note. And it finally, I mean, it overcame. He I mean, ended up on the COVID list, and then BC Johnson theoretically beat him out, and everyone was like, "Oh, well, this kind of sucks." But we saw the breakout happen. I'm going to call it a breakout. Um, seven of nine for 175. You think, oh, that's a lot of targets. One was a 75-yard touchdown. The and he had two other catches over 30 yards. Which you don't really expect from a slot receiver.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go break out on this one too. Yeah, because this team just so badly needs extra juice. I mean, I don't care if Justin Jefferson, you know, had a bad camp or whatever. Uh, there were reports that you know he was consistently running with the twos, wasn't making a big impact. Whatever, don't matter uh, now. You you need players, and you need them really bad because that is one of. I mean. Adam Thielen is one of the leaders in target share in t- through two weeks, but it's just eight targets in back-to-back games. Like, I mean, I know that the coaching staff is going to sit here and drool over their yards per carry again this week, just like they were coming into this game. That's great. You're still losing. You can't play football that way when your defense is one of the – and I'm being generous here when I say this – one of the 15 worst units in the NFL. And again, that is ultra, ultra generous. The Vikings defense got going a little bit today when Taylor Lewin left the game, the left tackle for the Tennessee Titans, and then Yannick Ngakwe just beat up on Ty Sambrello, who shouldn't be playing left tackle in the NFL anyways certainly should not be starting left, t- left tackle in the NFL. So, um, yeah, you're looking at a, a defense that still has a long, long way to go. And I don't necessarily know that there's like a light at the end of the tunnel. So they need some other passing game guys to step up, whether it was going to be Irv Smith or Justin Jefferson. It looks like Jefferson is the answer here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to call it a breakout. And I think we're flying here.
1: All right. And uh, you mentioned, Dal- well, you mentioned the running game. That's obviously one person. Dalvin Cook, 22 carries, 181 yards, one touchdown. Uh, He did leave a little bit banged up or was a little bit limping, uh, but he seems to be fine. Derrick Henry, 26, carries 119 yards and his first two touchdowns of the year. We expected this was going to happen against the defense that you just mentioned in Minnesota. He remains a stud. We can move on. We're going to talk about the afternoon slate now. Carolina at the Chargers. Um, The Justin Herbert experience has been mixed. Right. Like yes. the switch to Herbert is what you were hoping for if you drafted Austin Eckler, twelve carries, fifty nine yards, and a rushing touchdown. all and and then he caught all eleven. Eleven. We love double digits of his <laughs> yeah, targets for eighty yards. Double so that was great. Um And then Keenan Allen, 19 targets, 13 catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. We should also mention, however, that Mike Williams was banged up and on the sideline for this one.
0: Yeah, pretty predictable storyline. Like, this is, this is the uh, sure. Chargers offense that looks much more like the 2019 version of the Chargers offense, you know? I think it was disappointing to see Josh Kelly really take a step back in this yeah. one. Like, if you were you know austin, if you're like me and you think austin Eckler was one of the best backs in the nfl like the perfect version of a modern day nfl running back this is the sort of usage that you expected from these two guys and especially i think it's like if the chargers are able to get a lead and control the game like they were shockingly against kansas city i think kelly's going to be involved but if they're trailing to or you know in a negative game script against a team like the panthers which is it's really weird to wild. say like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> wild um especially in L.A., I mean, it's the new stadium, whatever, uh, then you're obviously going to see a lot more of Eckler. But, yeah, I mean, he throw, I mean, Justin Herbert, like, if, if you drafted Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler, this guy's like, you're like, put the poster up on the wall. Like, they he throws to these guys 30 times. Keenan Allen draws 19 freaking targets. I mean, I think at this point now, if, if Allen uh, is on your team, as long as Herbert is starting, starter. which look looks like it's going to be Maybe the rest of the season, at least for the foreseeable future with whatever's going on with Terod Taylor. um, yeah, I think you're set. You look back at like, okay, I have Keenan Allen. He's a wide receiver one. I start him every week, and I don't think twice about it.
1: Less predictable, for me at least, maybe you saw it coming, was Mike Davis's usage. I, filled in admirably for CMC. Yeah. 46 rushing yards, 45 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Not the easiest matchup. Um, are you feeling... Are you feeling confident enough to flex Davis again? Like we're not living in a vacuum. We have to recognize how many injuries there are to the running back position and how he is going to be on every, like he is going to be asked about every single week during our start and sit questions.
0: Oh, sure. I mean. Yeah, 13 carries, most in the backfield. Uh, Reggie Bonafan got two carries. Uh, Curtis Samuel chipped in with four carries. But, yeah, for the most part, it was definitely the Mike Davis show. Uh, the receiving usage is, like, almost exactly like <laughs> nine targets. I mean, they're gross targets. 5.6 uh, yards per catch does find the end zone great. But still, I mean, I think – but yeah, you're you're looking at him as a low end RB two in the flex consideration every week because of that volume. This like talk about something I did completely expect. This is exactly the Panthers' offense that I expected to see, which is uh, except for the fact that they kind of stayed more competitive in this game. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of yards. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for this team, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of touchdowns and yikes was it in Im- i mean they scored 21 points with just one offensive touchdown uh their kicker i think it's joey sly or, or, or yeah J- joey sly yeah he's out there by the way kind of jacked for a kicker uh joey sly is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like he, every see him every now and again like guy, you know, guys got biceps five for five kicks five field goals in this like carolina consistently got into the red zone and could not make it work that was it was tough it was tough to watch the Panthers offense today so yeah that's that's the offense that Mike Davis is the is the guy in you know it's it's that and his usage
1: in the his usage in the passing game obviously gives him a nice floor that you're gonna take by the way uh they have the uh, they have the Cardinals next week um but if you want to talk about like hard to watch offenses did you spend any time viewing the Jets at the Colts
0: no throw nope.
1: up right cringe
0: yeah just skip the Jets. Who cares?
1: Uh, great. I mean, Let's Adam Adam, Gase,
0: but Adam Gase's playbook must be just like, which white flag do I wave this week? You know, last week he's out. He's down 24-3 kicking field goals. Uh, this week he's out there, you know, down 31-7 to seven or something like that, and he's out there running the ball. Give me a break. I don't know. The Jets are not participating in the season. I don't, we, we don't need to talk about them.
1: Also, I believe uh, two safeties – in a row in consecutive games for a, a safety for each game consecutively for Sam Darnold. So bad look all around. Um, Jonathan Taylor, though, 59 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jordan Wilkins was uh, on closeout duty here. He had nine carries for 39 yards, but I'm not going to read too much into that. Um, Naheem Hines returned to fantasy relevance, seven carries for 21 yards, four catches for 40 yards. I think the bigger story, there's a bunch going on here. Michael Pittman left this one a little bit banged up. Uh, we already know that Paris Campbell is done. So another one of these receiving options needs to step up, and it might very well be even with Jack Doyle healthy, Mo Ali cox I don't know if you know this, but um, that guy played basketball back in the day.
0: Philip Rivers has once made a made a a, a lot of music with a, a former basketball player at tight end, uh, <gasps> Chargers Hall of Famer Antonio Gates. Wow. And I do I, I know I know a lot about Mo Cox. That's a that's a Virginia guy. You know you know I uh I'm all in on my Virginia players. VCU uh, in Richmond. Uh yeah, it, a guy was basketball big time basketball player there. So yeah, for sure I'm I'm all in on the Mo Cox experience. I mean I think that was one that just like I don't know how you put that toothpaste back in the. In the in, in the, the tube, tube, you know, right. too exciting. <laughs> this offense needs some juice. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Disappointing that for Ty Hilton that the grandma pep talk only got him three targets, three catches, fifty-two yards. But the Jets really didn't uh, put up much of a fight, so the Colts didn't really need to do too much.
1: Dallas at Seattle. Um, this this game was had all of the things, right? Like I felt I feel like this game had anything you and Dak was struggling early on. Um, but he obviously had to turn to the passing game to keep up with Seattle. Zeke salvaged the day with a touchdown. He had just, you know, 34 rushing yards otherwise. But what most excited me, I mean, I was really starting to think like all those Michael Gallup takes that I had just been confidently spitting out all week long were looking real bad. But the argument for Gallup was that when go goes sideways or when stuff goes sideways, it is Michael Gallup that Dak Prescott looks to in clutch situations. He is the guy who sets up key scoring efforts. And it was so nice for that analysis to work and for him to also get some of the glory. Six for 138 and a touchdown. Some, you know, like, I guess you could say fluky stuff about like the the defender having the ball bounce off of him and then him catching it. But hey, that's cl- like, that's presence of mind. That's focused. That's why Michael Gallup is clutch. Mark Cooper also went nine for 86 Ceedee lamb five for 65. We didn't have to deal with Dalton Schultz. Thank goodness in this one. Um,
0: you had to deal with Cedric Wilson.
1: Oh, that too. That was the moment though. When I saw that Wilson touchdown, I was like, oh no, these Gallup takes might be cold.
0: Yep. Yeah. No, I thought the same thing as well. But yeah, I mean, This is sort of... I think this is based on the usage we've seen so far. Like, Gallup is the guy in downfield situations that's he's going to be asked to win in those moments uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And that's going to be a little problematic because the blocking is not great, as we know. I mean, Zach Martin, the all-pro guard, shifts out to right tackle in this spot. Um, and he actually played pretty well. So maybe that's something that they think about doing on a more semi-permanent basis. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is, is going to be the ride with Gallup. Like, against a weak secondary like Seattle, um, you want to use him because he's been getting the deep looks, continued to do so today. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I'm going to be chasing Cedric Wilson, but uh, this is the type of thing when this offense is cooking, ancillary players can step up. I'm still like, man, why all the screens, Dallas? Like, I still have a little bit of, like, hesitation about the whole Mike McCarthy experience. And I know Kellen Moore still calling plays. Still, like, what are we doing with all the screens? Even on the on like the last few moments, they're, they're still trying to rot, run screens with Ezekiel Elliott. That you know, I mean, I'm sure they have like negative three thousand EPA on those plays because they did not work at any point, and they kept on going back to it. I don't know what the thinking was there, but yeah, pretty pretty nice stat line overall for most of the Dallas Cowboys players.
1: And Russell Wilson's MVP campaign gets another boost. Five touchdowns, three of them. I mean unbelievable there you go take it take the victory lap three uh touchdowns to tyler lockett with 100 yards also it's not like Metcalf didn't eat either right he scored the game winning touchdown and led the team with 110 yards um you know the evans godwin impression continues on the other side of the country here
0: yeah i was Already to have like DK Metcalf has a bad game in the don't care section nah. of my care don't care uh, column, and I I literally tweeted that I was like I'm I can predict this is going in there and then you know the next moment he goes out and scores the game the long game winning touchdown, um, <laughs> I mean DK Metcalf has a legit bad game you know like uh, Trayvon Diggs the Cowboys second round pick at cornerback goes in. And- Pops that ball up like when DK let up right. early going into the end zone. He lets one pass in a clutch moment slip through his hands. So his bad game gets you four catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. So yeah, I mean overall great game. This is what you think with these Seahawks. And your point about um, the Cowboys struggling to cover tight ends. Maybe Austin Hooper next week. Harrison Bryant also scored to, for the for the Cleveland Browns today. So maybe Bryant messes up those Austin Austin Hooper uh, screaming calls. Greg Olson six catches. Five or six targets, five catches, 61 yards. There were definitely some times I'm like, man, they're letting old man Olsen get open uh, this much in the middle of the field. That's not good.
1: Well, I mean, next week, the Seahawks, like I think I mentioned, um, are at Miami. I think that's going to be like a, a sneaky, fun game. The only issue is that Chris Carson did leave this effort with an ankle issue. So we're not sure of his availability, in which case, Carlos Hyde becomes a, com- a a talking point. Oh,
0: yeah. Yep. Totally agree. I mean, you want a starting running back from this offense right now. And so if that's Carlos Hyde, yeah. I mean, this guy ran for 1,000 yards deals last year.
1: No starting running backs from Detroit's offense, though. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what DeAndre Swift. Like, this was the, the week that you decided to punish DeAndre Swift. That that happened back in week one. I don't really understand it. Um, But I don't even – do you want to even talk about Detroit other than the fact that Kenny Galladay – certainly changed the complexion of this offense, making it a thousand times better. And he did find the end zone uh, and much a, a, as a relief to fantasy managers who've been waiting on him.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big deal. Um, and then TJ Hawkinson has gone over 50 yards in uh, three straight games, I think is still someone that's sort of on that tight end radar as well. Uh, but yeah, no answers in the backfield. 22 carries for 75 yards for Adrian Peterson. Come on.
1: But Arizona, uh, so we know what we're getting with the Detroit Lions, at least from a pass catching perspective, right? Like it's Kenny Galladay. Do you feel comfortable flexing Marvin Jones anymore? No, not really. No, right? Like I'm going to flex Anthony Miller, but I'm not going to spend the time on Marvin Jones anymore.
0: No, I'm with you on that one.
1: All right. So this wasn't Kyler's best game. Two touchdowns, three picks, 270 yards in the air, but 29 29 yards and a rushing touchdown. He's so, he's so damn shifty. Like, I don't, you know, like we're saying, like, this wasn't a great game for him. And yet, three touchdowns. I, I'll take it, you know, like 300 yards.
0: Yeah. Not a not a good game for him. I've got him in a fantasy league and he's got twenty four point seven points. So I mean, yeah, if like he's still clearly an every week fantasy starter. And um, but he may he definitely made some mistakes in this one. I still think it's encouraging that the offense looks this good. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins looks this good. Andy Isabella might be giving Christian Kirk a little push for that you know number two receiver job or whatever. Uh, scores two times in this one. People are freaking out about Kenyon Drake. Um, and I partially get it i mean he's getting a lot of rushing work but he's definitely losing reps to chase edmonds in the passing passing game game. and really like there's not a lot of checking down to running backs anyways in this offense because like Kyler's just gonna run it because he's one of the the best runners in the nfl right now so but kenny drake is a guy that i think if someone is freaking out um in your league i'd maybe make a you know i'd maybe poke around on that one a little bit
1: are you saying that you might make a trade offer yes okay just to be clear Tampa Bay at Denver. Chris Godwin left this one with a hamstring injury, but he did put up 64 yards and a receiving touchdown. Scotty Miller, he he came in. Three catches, 83 yards. Um, Who would you prefer to roster? Is it still Chris Godwin when comparing to Mike Evans?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a little nervous now that he's, like he's got getting,
1: hamstring thing,
0: yeah. Yeah, he's got the hamstring thing. Uh, so I would say that right now it would be Mike Evans, even though he has uh, who, someone compared it to the Matt Asiata. I think of like, of of fantasy lines for wide receivers: two, two, uh, uh two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. That sounds- what? <laughs> That's very strange, but still, yeah. I think I think right now I'd rather have um, I'd rather have Mike Evans. Hey, Gronk had forty eight yards. Wow. I did
1: see- <laughs> I did see that. I mean,
0: this close to scoring a touchdown too.
1: what about the backfield? You know, all over FFL, we were talking about how Leonard Fournette had decisively taken the job away from (sighs) Ronald Jones, and um, he only carried the ball seven times to Jones's 13. Jones only got 53 damn yards, but he did draw four targets in the passing game for uh, two catches and another 20. Yuck. All of it is yuck. I, I don't. I I really want there to be some clarity here, just so that we can stop a, a, answering questions about it.
0: Oh, Liz, you are speaking my language. Like that's <laughs> the only. I don't. I don't care one damn bit about Ronald Jones. I don't care one damn bit about Leonard Fournette. I just want to not think about it. Yeah. So that yeah, if we could never get a Bucks running back question again, or like. Just don't even. Just don't have a take, okay? Like it's okay to just not like be like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know what's this gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen with these running the backs way. this week. But if you're like, if if you're if you're making a statement, and then like a another strong statement in your tweet about it, you you're kidding yourself. No one knows.
1: And go ask that person because I honestly also don't think that Bruce Arians knows heading into the no, game. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, The Broncos went down early, which meant very little rushing game work for Melvin Gordon, who only had eight carries for 26 yards. Nothing really popped for this receiving core except Tim Patrick. There yeah. was uh, there was talk that he would be um with Corlin Sutton out and Jerry Judy, both young and a little bit banged up as well there was an opportunity for Tim Patrick who is obviously the veteran especially in comparison to your guy KJ Hamler um and, Pit- and and Tim Patrick did the- this is not the, this is not the first time he has flashed like we have seen this um actually there's a, to me there's like shades of like Dontrell Inman going on with the, the Tim Patrick experience <laughs> comp- in Denver um but is he someone that you're even considering rostering or are you just like I don't really want a piece of this whole Denver situation. I don't know how long, like, I I don't, I kind of want to like step away from it. And I'd rather add someone, even if it isn't, even if the usage isn't as consistent, just because it's more exciting, like Andy Isabella or like Justin Jefferson or like T Higgins instead of Tim Patrick.
0: Yeah, no, I don't don't really feel too inclined to be um, emotionally or fantasy invested in this Broncos offense. I think every time I look at it, I'm just looking at the box score right here and I've got to see names like Brett Rippon. And it's
1: Rippon,
0: I don't know. actually know if it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh I don't know. But yeah, we, Tim Patrick, we're we'll going to be telling these players. Like we should be talking about Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton. And you know, these 10 targets for Noah fans should be getting a lot more than five catches, for 46 yards. Wow. It's, it's just tough. I mean, I just feel nothing but sadness uh, for the Broncos offense.
1: What a way to pander to our producer. Let's talk about Monday Well, I, I
0: said, I said we ripped on the podcast name earlier we gotta do something
1: i know that we are both excited if 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 we are not at all excited for denver the inverse of excitement for that it it, for this is not well stated it's been a very long day anyway we're excited for the monday night game between the chiefs and the ravens any hot takes what are you looking for what are you keeping an eye on
0: play all the players you know that's what i would do (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> should be fun brilliantly stated which tight end? which tight end would you prefer which uh, <laughs> tight end would you prefer in this one matthew would you prefer uh, travis kelsey or mark andrews i actually think mark andrews has a chance to uh outproduce travis kelsey uh
0: I agree. We typically see the Chiefs give up on production to tight end. So yeah, sure. Mark Andrews. Why not play him (laughs) along with all the other players? All
1: right. Play all the players. That is the groundbreaking analysis from one Matt Harmon. Uh, Matt, you do have you, as you mentioned every, as you mentioned every week, um, you file a piece and it is care, don't care. Can you remind everyone when that goes up and maybe tease it a little bit?
0: Uh yeah, I file it Sunday night. So if you're up late on the West Coast, you know, at like ten PM, uh or you are a lunatic up past midnight on the East Coast, thanks for the support. Uh check out the article. Uh it's probably going to I have been well, let me say, I have been um gently nudged into the direction to cover the two Hall of Fame quarterbacks playing on Sunday night football with a potential Drew Brees angle uh in this one. So that will be the lead. I'll also talk a little bit about the Chargers who we mentioned in the don't care segment. Um and yes, a few few of the topics we've hit on this one should be should be a, a real a real winner.
1: Great. Well, podcasts are winners. And luckily for you guys, we have lots of them. You can check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. One more thanks to Planters. Andy will be back tomorrow morning to talk pickups. Until then, we're out.
0: It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.